have your backup option because it really is a critical business feature, right? I mean, payment processing is your entire lifeline. If you can't take payments, what do you have? Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelak, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Don. Don, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thanks, Michelle. I'm gonna say that's your cue. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> now, give us kind of the five thousand foot view of who you are and a quick intro to your business. Well, who I am might take more than five seconds. Um, I'm still figuring that out, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But um, essentially, we are in check merchant services and we offer uh, payment processing services to businesses. So we provide everything from credit card processing to check and ACH processing to consulting to chargeback management and um, gateways and we kind of do it all. All that fun stuff. Excellent. So basically, you help businesses collect money. Yeah, yeah, in some senses, I'm perhaps someone's most important vendor because without, <laughs> if something goes wrong, the business grinds to a halt. <laughs> right, you can't accept you can't, payments on a credit you card. You can't accept payments. So I, I always so joke with my friends when my clients have an emergency, which never really happens, but <laughs> but if they have an emergency, it's like, it's a big deal because their business is shut down. <laughs> right, absolutely. So how did you get into payment services as a thing? Oh, way by accident. I was in college and I was um, on a pre-med path. I wanted to be a doctor. You know, I, I still do. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still in the medical field, but it's a topic for another day, perhaps. But um, yeah. uh, the, <laughs> <Sounds> um, <laughs> but the, uh, all right. So I was essentially in college living on 400 or so dollars a month, working as a firefighter EMT. And a friend of mine on the fire department's um, mother had given him $250,000 to start a business processing bad checks. Back then, people were still writing checks, and this was the Midwest. And he said, hey, Don, you have a good personality. Why don't you come try sales? And I said, well, I mean, why not? I have just enough for gas and beer, you know. And and, it turns out I was pretty good at it. So after a few months, I was really the only one bringing accounts in. They were paying me pennies. My... My friend was kind of very interested in uh, going to the bar and giving out his business card to girls because it said CEO on it. We were like 19, you know, Um, and uh, and the rest of the staff was busy writing business plans and doing other things. And I I was like, well, I I think I can do this myself. So I took the two hundred and fifty dollars I had in my account and I bought a fax machine on clearance for ninety nine dollars and. that was our, and I made a fax package using like, you know, V1 of Adobe Illustrator. <laughs> this is back in like 2000, 2001. And uh, sorry about all these texts. I got to put focus on. I haven't, I haven't done that yet uh, there. Uh, do not disturb. Yes, leave me alone. Um, I'm busy with Michelle. And, uh, and, and so I found a vendor who would handle our checks for us and pay us a commission. So I really had no overhead. And I started going door to door, knocking on doors, making cold calls, all that kind of stuff. Um, I went to school in Ohio and I lived in Connecticut. So one trip, you know, I had this kind of really wacky old car. It was a 1993 Mazda Protégé. And because I was uh, on the fire department, I had wired it with lights and sirens and everything else. But see, a 1993 Mazda Protégé didn't have an alternator that could really support all that stuff. 
because I went a little crazy <laughs> and uh, you know, I did it all myself. The it looked DIY, like a Christmas you know, tree going down there. Yeah, the whole thing was wired, radio, siren, light bar on top, dash lights, flashing headlights, the whole deal, you know? And, um, and back then lights were strobe and they weren't as efficient. So they drew a lot of energy. Now they're all LEDs. And, uh, so anyway, long story short, and the car had no shocks pretty much. So it was like driving a boat. And, um, and so it would break down on average every other trip back and forth from Connecticut to Ohio. I just kind of counted on that. I guess do not disturb didn't work because I still hear tones. <laughs> I, I guess I cannot Welcome force the universe to leave me alone. <laughs> 2022. <laughs> so the so one, I'm telling you this story because one trip, it was like, uh, was like Friday night or something. And, and it's midnight and I'm, I'm in Eastern Ohio, somewhere near uh, Cleveland. And the car just shuts off in the middle of the highway. And I, I, you know, it was no traffic around, thankfully. And you know, this was back before cell phones and GPS and traffic alerts and, you know, all of that. So I, I just glided off the exit and um, left it on this and like walked to the cheapest. There was, unfortunately, there was like a $25 hotel right there, you know, and a Motel 6 or something. And, and so I left it there on the, I got it off the, the exit ramp and just kind of left it there for, Overnight, walked to this hotel, checked in, and next morning I called uh, AAA or whatever and had it towed to the nearest garage. And you know, it was now it was like Saturday at noon or whatever. And he's like, "Well, I can't get to it till Monday because we're closed tomorrow." And all right, so I got two days in Cleveland. What am I going to do? So I started going door to door trying to sell my services, and I picked up what was to date my biggest client it was a chain of uh, Papa John's pizza restaurants up there, and and. Um, that's just kind of how I, you know, how I did things back then. It was like knocking awesome. on doors and making phone calls and trying to make, uh, you know, lemons. The universe gives me lemonade or a broken alternator. And um, <laughs> one day I got the car. Be fixed, right here. And, yeah, and I, I, you know, and I had no money back then, so I was like building up debt on my on my, you know, credit card that probably had a a thousand dollar college student limit on it or whatever, you know. <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, so anyway, that's kind of the humorous way we got started, but, but the one thing led to another and, you know, we, we grew to where I could actually afford to do proper marketing. And then around 2008, during the economic uh, collapse, recession, whatever you want to call it, we switched over to credit, more credit card payments because a couple of things happened. People stopped taking checks. You know, what? now for pizza delivery, you could just pay online. You know, you don't need to give a check to the Domino's driver or whatever. And we, my early endorsements were like independent grocers, chains of IGAs. And actually we had endorsement from IGA itself and then various food associations around the, because, um, you know, the thing was grocery stores, at least 20 years ago, tended to be owned by older people. Like young entrepreneurs don't start grocery stores. And so because of that, they continued to take checks for a while. The clientele was more elderly. Check writing was really popular. So it was a good, a good market for us. So I really went after uh, like school pictures, pizza delivery, and grocery stores. And, um, and so we had a ch couple of chains of grocery stores in the Midwest, independent chains, you know, maybe four, five, six stores. Well, then Walmart was starting to grow and Walmart came into the area and put all these mom and pop shops that had been open for a hundred years, you know, right under. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we kind of hit financial rock bottom right around 2007 or eight, whenever that was. And that's when I morphed into, um, it's all right, well, you know, checks are, are not going to be a sustainable business model. So <laughs> what's next for us? And, 
morphed into uh, credit card processing and then found our niche of um, internet marketers and uh, you know, um, e-commerce merchants and, and that whole info marketing space and coaching and things like that. I've been doing that ever since. Very cool. All right. That's probably, I just rambled. That's probably way too long. Of an introduction. <laughs> no, it was fascinating. One going down memory lane too, realizing that it wasn't that long ago. And yet our technology since then has exploded. You know, it's funny because my, my girlfriend and I were on a road trip across country uh, from Vegas to Boston via Oregon and Washington. And it took, we slated three weeks. I got home three months later. But, uh, you know, the national parks got the best of us. But I'm telling you this story because we, we went we went to Ohio and I still have some old friends out there and things. And so I went up to campus and showed her it was like really surreal, you know, and um, just down memory lane, what technology where technology was 20 years ago, you know, and uh, went by my old fire department, actually met up with a very who was a, a guy who was a good friend of mine back then on the fire department who I hadn't talked to in 20 years, who's now the chief of police. I got to hang out with him and, and catch up. And it was just, it was kind of surreal. My girlfriend's younger than me. So we're talking about all this old technology. And I think she's probably kind of like dazed and confused. But <laughs> What's a fax machine? It spits out yeah, fax. Exa exactly. Like, I think she actually- like trivial not, pursuit. It just kicks I, out the fax. Nothing I, but the fax. I, I, You know, it's funny you say that because I'm pretty sure when I, when I told her that story, she had heard of a fax machine, you know, kind of like I, I had heard of an eight track. You know, <laughs> and uh, I think actually, I think my father had a couple eight tracks when I was very, very super, super young. Um, and, you know, eight inch floppy disks and all that. So, but yeah, fax, fax was a thing at one point, as you know. Well, and, and it amazes me as well, because once upon a time you had to go and get, you know, your business license, your bank account, your merchant account, your you know, you had to apply for it. Sometimes they let you have one. Sometimes they didn't. If you had too erratic of a business plan, then, you know, everything was <laughs> shot and you had to figure out a way to even out your income instead of doing, you know, events three times a year and making a ton of money. They did not like that at that time, which is kind of funny. I went, but that's my business model. <laughs> I'm supposed to vote it. Uh, so that was always fun. So what are some of the the things that, um, businesses are looking for or merchants are looking for how does business go down now well um you know it being in, in my space it's kind of cool because nearly every business is a prospect right and everyone needs payment processing and <laughs> right. there's nothing we can't do per se um we specialize in internet marketers you know online businesses coaching like i said info products nutraceuticals and things like that. But, you know, it doesn't mean that we can't take the corner Chinese restaurant as well. <laughs> so, it's, um, so I, you know, ideally I'm looking for anybody who takes payments. Mm -hmm. I hate to say it, but that's kind of the, that's client, kind of no, the client. I totally get that. And, and, but is there, is there stipulations? Is there kind of rules and requirements anymore? Is it just, Hey, you're in business. Great. Here's an account. Um, what, what do you mean by rules and regulations? Like, are there, is the industry regulated heavily? Yes. No, 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 no. So, once upon a time when I was coaching, it, we had to apply for a merchant account. And because we did, you know, three events or four events, three day events, four times a year, I'll spit that out. Yeah. Um, we had to go through and, and get a particular merchant account that would allow us to do business right. that way because they wanted us right. to have I see. money every three months or right. 
So yes, that's, that's what we, that's what we do. We, we handle those kind of launches events, uh, which is called non-delivery exposure. So the problem with, you know, selling tickets for an event a year out is what happens if the next COVID pandemic comes through and the event gets canceled and you've spent all that money, you know, I'm, I'm on the hook for it literally. Cause I'm, I'm in line for, I hold my own risk. So how we handle all that, you know, we have ways to do that. And, um, so we, we do do that. We do a lot of what, what would be considered high risk merchants. And I use that term lightly because very few clients consider themselves high risk. And if someone calls me and says I'm high risk, it probably means I don't want them because they have a different idea. You really are high risk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but that means, you know, the banks consider essentially anybody, any transaction where the card isn't present, high risk because the fraud risk is higher. So, um, you know, Netflix is high risk and, and technically, but then within that, there's different degrees of stratification of, you know, what do they really consider high risk now? Or what do you consider high risk now? Not like the real high risk that are like, we're not going there, right. but so, like, what are, what are some of the standard things that a normal business would do? And they don't realize that it's high risk. Um, coaching. Um, any kind of annual memberships where someone's paying for a service in advance, uh, because that the chargeback period is six months past the last uh, expected date of delivery. So if you buy a 12 month package, that person has 18 months to charge it back. Two year packages, you know, just do the math. It's 30 months and um, travel is very high. It's considered very high risk. Certainly, like you said, events and um, anything that's in the future, future delivery. So there's ways to mitigate that. And there's ways that, that we handle that. But uh, nutraceuticals are considered very high risk because of all the FTC issues that have happened over the years. And, you know, 10 years ago, people were paying $90 a month for uh, teeth whitening. And I used to tell my clients, why don't you offer, why don't you find out where your continuity trail is? Like, no one's going to pay $90 a month for a teeth whitener indefinitely. They wouldn't have any teeth left, right? So, so you know, where are your clients trailing off? Where are they canceling? Is it three months? Then just offer them a three-month package rather than continuity into perpetuity, you know? And, mm -hmm. and um, but that was the thing back then. And of course the FTC cracked down on that. It was called uh, uh, where continuity, where you didn't, you didn't opt in. You were sort of enrolled, you bought a 495 free trial and suddenly you're getting billed $90 a month. And so a lot's changed, um, a lot's changed since then, but those were kind of, that was kind of the wild, wild west back then. Um, well, but thank God, because that used to drive me nuts. I don't know who know. came up with that. And uh, it was, well, that was one of my most frustrating moments in digital marketing was when that came out and happened. And, and at the same time, I think a lot of the big companies quit having their, their contact information on their websites. So not only are they suddenly charging you $7 a month for no reason, and you can't get a hold of them to figure out how to make it stop. So yep. you guys must have been going AWOL. Well, the thing was, it was the last week of... Oh, I think it was like the last week of December 2009 or 10 when thousands and thousands of merchants were just terminated across the country. The FTC came in and got on the banks and all of those businesses were just upended. Um, I remember that week very well. But, uh, but now you can't really do that anymore. MasterCard and Visa require contact information on the page when we underwrite an account. There has to be a contact. There has to be some contact us provision that works. You should really let Amazon know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know they exist. Oh. <laughs> I know that there's a phone somewhere. 
<laughs> you just don't know where it is. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not they like used... they're a fly by night, but. <laughs> and I had Amazon customer service saved in my phone and they canceled that number. It no longer works. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how they, how they're getting away with it. Um, huh. I, I take it. You don't have that account. I don't have Amazon. I don't. So if anybody listening to this knows how to get <laughs> done on Amazon, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be, well, that would be, that would be pretty cool. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know what they do. I don't know what Bezos does. I, I never thought about. Amazon. I'm sure he's self. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's certain, so there's certain thresholds after a certain amount uh, of annual revenue, there's provisions where, um, you kind of can go direct with the card associations. It's, it's like the, the air, the major airlines, you know, we do, we do travel, travel agents and so forth that are booking tickets. But like, if you're Delta airlines, there's a, you have your own special uh, MCC code and your own relationship with the card brands. And, and that's why it's nearly impossible to charge back an airline ticket bought through an airline. You buy it through a travel agency, you can charge it back like that. And I, my, my travel clients, you know, struggle with that all the time, but try charging back, an airline ticket that you bought from delta.com or you know it's it just doesn't work wow you can try but you'll, you'll never win <laughs> <clears throat> so 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 in a way in theory, you're it's safer, better to go through the travel agents in a way you're safer buying through a third-party travel agent um because they can't you know they're like any other merchant it's much easier to charge back uh, okay so talk to me about this because i find some of the chargeback things I find really rude, like Walmart, uh, because a lot of people don't realize that Walmart's a consignment store. It's not a, a retail outlet, um, which, of course, they will never <laughs> say oh, Walmart, the new consignment store. But so when you when you send something back, you're not sending it back to Walmart and Walmart's not taking the cut on that. It's whoever manufactured the thing or offered it to Walmart if, it, if there's somebody that. in between there. Hmm? Oh, I don't think I knew that. Oh, and Costco and, and, and that's why they have such fantastic return policies. Oh yeah. Just return it anytime, you know, 30 days you've okay. worn out. We don't care. Just send it back because they send it back to their supplier and their supplier is the one that suffers. Right. Um, yeah. And I think Amazon kind of does the same thing, right? Super oh, totally. To does the same. Amazon anything. doesn't own anything. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, so the, the largest companies in America have figured out how to, brush off the liability on the smaller guys yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. so so you're saying that all the travel agencies work like that and is it all kind of all bigger companies that work like that or like how know. do you know if you're if you're in that kind of position because travel is a big one because you know stuff happens all the time it's not like we're going to go to ford and buy a car um and then return it just because you know i didn't like it it's kind of a little odd. Well, like my, I have a really large travel client who's a good friend of mine. And what will happen there is, you know, all the airlines offer a 24 hour free cancellation policy. So somebody wants to cancel within 24 hours, no problem. Sure. After 24 hours, he has to request a manual credit from the airline. So his customers will call the bank and charge it back and he's lost the revenue. And now he has to go request a credit from the airline and, we're, and he does millions of dollars a month, you know, so it's not like, but that's the process. And that right. manual credit can take six to eight weeks to come in. Right. Well, and that was a problem that my son had pre-COVID. He was down in South America and then bought a ticket through somebody and then had to change it. And I think it was, he had to change it because it was, it got booked on the wrong day or something. 
weird like that. And then that causes this whole calamity of, okay, just go buy another ticket here, use my card and we'll figure that out later. But yeah, that was, I think it's, it's interesting to me how we don't really care <laughs> what the policy is until we care. And then all yep. of a sudden it becomes a big issue. Yep. A hundred percent. So what kind of questions do business owners typically ask you that are their kind of their concerns or fears when they're going into choosing who they're going to go with? Um, the, it varies depending on what their prior experience has been. If they've had issues with a prior processor, then they'll specifically ask about. <laughs> so they know, you know those things that. Yeah. Come up. <laughs> so, you know, I was with Stripe and I did a launch and Stripe held my funds and wouldn't talk to me for six months, you know? Okay. So we can deal with that, you know, or um, I had an account with the X processor and as soon as I exceeded my limit, they shut it down, you know, whatever the issue may have been. Then they want to know about how we handle those kinds of issues. If they're new to processing or haven't had any any issues per se, then they want to know, you know, pricing, what how we can save them money, um, how our technology interfaces with their CRM, is everything compatible, you know, are there plugins and whatever specific questions, you know, if it's a, a mobile merchant, how does our, how is our mobile app similar or different from Square? Um, you know, all, whatever is pertinent, per se, sorry, whatever, I'm Italian, put in my hand, <laughs> whatever is pertinent to their specific, their industry. Awesome. Cool. No, that gives me a great, um, and a lot of people I think don't realize this because uh, we've had, I've had a lot of friends that got, um, <clears throat> their assets held by Stripe and uh, substantial, like 300 grand worth, <laughs> like, no. We're just keeping it. So Stripe, what people don't realize is that Stripe is what's called an aggregator. So they have one merchant ID and they put a whole bunch of clients in that merchant ID. They essentially consolidate, they aggregate them into one stream. So therefore, when you sign, the reason it's so easy to sign up with Stripe is because they're not underwriting an account for your business. They're putting you in with everybody else, which is great. It makes it very turnkey, very quick and easy to get going. But as soon as there's any issues, it's like, whoa, hold on, what? Because you you can't pollute that 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 mid that that bin essentially. You charge if you charge back spike or whatever. Now everybody is affected, or Stripe internally. I mean, right. not like they're gonna call the others and say, hey, you know, but they have to control <laughs> that and keep the thresholds under certain levels. So that's right. why they're so quick to pull the trigger um, when when anything looks, you know. Fishing because they fishing. haven't they haven't underwritten the account for your business specifically they have no idea what you actually do, um, and and so I I once had somebody ask me why why we're better than Stripe whatever so I went to one of my clients who had recently switched to us and I said hey can you just write something about why why we're better than why you like us better than Stripe and she sends me a three page essay literally one I'm like, no one's gonna read three pages rachel you know but she's very thorough and she went through all the details and you know their experience with stripe versus their experience with us and and um that's awesome and so forth so you know if you're working with stripe and you haven't had any issues just keep in mind that you are you're a number you are numbers on a screen to somebody sitting in a cubicle who sees a flag come up based on a computer algorithm doesn't want to lose their job so the first thing that they'll do is 
hold funds, free funds, uh, et cetera, you know, rather than like what way we handle things like that is I pick up the phone and I call you and I say, hey, what's going on? We need to talk through this issue, whatever. Awesome. I love it. So what's one of your biggest pet peeves in the industry? Oh, actually, that's funny you ask because I just hired last week a new VP of BizDev. And he's like, he used to be one of my biggest competitors and he's exactly what I've been looking for for 10 years, but never found because I, I don't use agents and sales guys or gals because the industry is so full of deceit. Um, you know, I, agents and sales guys in my industries run in my industry, run around and tell people whatever they want to hear. Now they don't hold any risk. They're not doing the underwriting. All they're incentivized to do is close the deal. So they'll tell merchants, whatever they want to hear, um, for example, I once had a liquor store owner, uh, an Indian man, uh, send me a statement and tell me he would switch to me if I saved him $500 a month because some other agent walked in there and said he could save him $450 a month. Okay. So I look at the statement, his total bill for the prior month, total processing cost was $387. So how am I going to, I mean, I'm going to, what, I'm going to pay his processing for him, but somebody told him, you know, we can right. do that. And so I've, I just, I, I despise uh, poor ethics. And so I've never, I've never had a, a sales team. I've done all of our growth organically through my own network and so forth, but I'm really excited. I just hired the right guy and um, excited to see, see where that goes. And, and he has, he shares the same morals and values that I do. So, um, uh, but that's the, my biggest pet peeve is, is the, the lying, the deceit, um, you know, anything to close the deal mentality. Awesome. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, what's your favorite part of your business? Getting to know so many cool people. I mean, I've got clients in every industry. Most of them have become friends. I've got a huge network of resources based on that. Um, and, and I love networking and I like people. So it's, it's, you know, it's, if I was say a coach, right. My mo most of my most of my colleagues would be coaches that I meet at conventions, whatever. I'm just kind of just making this up. I mean, I'm, I'm in the medical field also, right? So a lot of my colleagues are medical people, but in InCheck, all my clients are across the board. So I, I get to know a lot of people. Nice. So give us an example. You gave us a couple there of a Cinderella story of one of your favorite clients. Oh, okay. There's one that stands out. Um, a man named Richard Rossi. I don't know if you know the name. Um, his father actually wrote the book in the 1960s that coined the term the third world. He, he, he wrote a book and about the cold war and coined first, second, third world. It was kind of cool, but Richard started a company way back in the seventies or eighties, um, called the national youth leadership conference. And he would invite, uh, high school kids with high GPAs or whatever to go to these events. And I used to get invited every year. You know, I was a pretty good student, but I could never afford the, the fees. It was a for-profit thing. It kind of is marketed as if it's like a, um, he's very good with his marketing, put it that way. But, you know, you open these things as a kid and you're like, well, I got invited to the National Youth Leadership Conference, you know? And, and um, anyway, I, I grew up in kind of a struggling family and couldn't afford to, to go, but I was so excited to be invited every year. I kept the invitations in my, in my box of stuff from high school. So fast forward to 2012, and a mutual friend um, arranges a dinner with, with this guy called Richard Rossi. I didn't know who he was. Um, and um, Richard's starting a new venture and needs a merchant account. That's all I knew going in. So we start talking and I find out who he is. 
And he had just sold that company and he was starting a new thing for uh, high school kids who want to be future doctors and medical scientists. And he needed the processing for that and so forth. But when I realized who he was, I literally went home and dug out the letter he had sent me in 1994 and put it on Facebook and tagged him. And he was floored. And so was I, it was just crazy. (laughs) And he's been a client of mine ever since and a dear friend. And he's, he's just a, he's an amazing human. Um, and uh, I've been to a couple of his conferences and, and he does great work, but it's, <laughs> it's just how things come full circle in life, you know? It's, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But when I went to, I went to one of his events in 2014, one of the first ones he launched and I said, well, it's only uh, 20 years late, but I'm making up for what I couldn't do in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be thinking right now? Oh my God, Donna, I need you so badly. Other than Stripe freezing their accounts. <laughs> um, well, are you guys asking like what, what, what reasons people would need us or? Yeah, why, why, why is like an entrepreneur sitting there going their chickety-boo or they're not? What are they kind of, what's not going to what's in their head, head that they're okay. going? Yeah. Okay. I here's what's, here's what's in their head. Um, and I know this very well. Oh, Don sounds like a cool guy. It looks like a great company to work with. But man, the process of switching merchant accounts. I got to provide statements. I got to fill out all this information. I got to provide bank accounts. It's, eh, what I have now is working for me. So yeah, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll think about next week kind of thing, you know, and we deal with that a lot because underwriting an account. Yeah, I need documentation. I need bank statements and so forth. But that dynamic of, um, people think it's difficult to switch and I make it really easy. I do everything electronically, electronic signatures. We, we do it all for you, but I can't download your bank statements unless you give me access to your account, which probably won't and probably shouldn't. Um, but, but uh, after we have everything and you know, I make it easy, but then, you know, that dynamic also is one of the reasons why we have such high client retention because nobody wants to go through the process of switching, you know, again. So, you know, what I tell people is, well, you know what? If it's what you have is working great, how about this? Let's let's do a backup account for you. Every, you know, everybody should have a second account. I'll make it really easy. I'll do it with minimal paperwork, and then it's done. And then you know, a month from now, if you really like us and you want to move more volume over, then you know that that's your choice. Let us impress you. Um, but but the the pain point, the struggle is people perceive it as a lot of work to. Mm-hmm switch merchant accounts and and i can make that very easy and automated nice love that and they think that way until something happens so what kind of exactly. things happen yeah <laughs> so i had happen that they this go, is, oh my god this is my pain point because i'll have these conversations like i've talked to a lot of jvmm members and so forth had great conversations yep. and i'm like well i i you know i I, um, I, I want to do it. So they start the application process, you know, two months later, I'm still waiting on a bank statement, whatever it's pending in our CRM, you know, and I'm, and then one day inevitably I'll get a text or, or an email saying, Hey, we need that account set up yesterday. Cause something yeah. went wrong or they're suddenly going to launch. And I'm like, well, I, I, I can't do it that fast. You know, I, I have higher powers at the bank and so forth that have to, you know, review things. So, um, <laughs> but that that inevitably happened or you know or, well we have stripe and it's just so easy blah 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 okay three months later 
oh, I can't put another dime through Stripe. They're holding all my funds. You know, I need an account tomorrow. And, you know, so, so that's why I say have your backup option because it really is a critical business feature, right? I mean, payment processing is your entire lifeline. If you can't take payments, what do you have? Right? That's why I say let, let's do it now. Let's set up something, even if it's a backup account, even if you think Stripe's the greatest thing since sliced bread, no problem. I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise, but let's have everything ready to go in the background in case you need us. And then it's done and it's ready and you just flip the switch <clears throat> rather than, you know, me having to be in ER mode trying to trying to fix this mess for you. And just to make a note, it is one of the only other merchant we've mentioned on this show. So oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> Something's going to ride there. Just say it's just I get a lot of everyone knows Stripe, you know, Stripe and Square. Those guys came in from outside the industry transform the industry because they created a turnkey system with integration between the gateway and the merchant processing. And, um, the, you know, banking technology is antiquated. The Federal Reserve was still on DOS until like 2000. And is there still a Federal two, Reserve? Late, I didn't think they actually existed. Like why? Uh, late 2000, <laughs> they switched to, to Windows from DOS, you know, but, but uh, meanwhile, the rest of the world switched, you know, 12 years earlier. It was the first Windows 95, I think was the first iteration. I'm a Mac guy now, but um, I remember and, going uh, into the bank when they changed that because everybody knew the shortcut keys to, to click, click. And now they have to use a mouse and they're like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> they're all losing their mind. The clients are losing their mind. Everybody lost their minds for like a solid week there. And it's like, okay, I, I got this. We, we can click. <laughs> I know how to use mouse now. This is good. <laughs> Really, isn't it funny? Like every time there's a new technology that comes out, we all have to get used to it and it's always painful for a period. <laughs> and then we can't imagine life without it. Without it. Exactly. <laughs> so on that note, I know there are listeners who are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? So two ways. The easiest way is just go to our website, incheck.net, I-N-C-H-E-K.net. And there's a link that says apply now. It's five fields of information. It'll take you literally 15 seconds. That opens a lead in our CRM and gets me your information. I can contact you, start putting everything together um, and, and so forth. The second way is you're welcome to email me directly, don at incheck.net. Um, if you have questions or you, know, you, you wanna discuss the process before you actually fill out those five fields of information. So <laughs> that may or may not autofill on for you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> awesome that so peeps of course we will have those links in the show notes and of course you can always go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog and search for dawn in check and merchant accounts and you will find him there so awesome at this point i get to ask you about what point in your life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur oh um i didn't i just <laughs> took that i just <laughs> Just you know, jump, I'm, I'm jump. kind of someone who just jumps and then looks back later. So I didn't know anything about business when I decided to go work for my friend's company. And then when I went on my own, I went, what the hell am I doing? I'm like, I don't know. You know, I don't know. What the, I don't know anything. And fortunately, <laughs> I had some good mentors in my life who encouraged me and taught me what I needed to know and, and, and so forth. But, you know, I did it with, organically with no financing with just the $250 I had in my account. So you know, now if I had done it, if I had had the resources then that I had now, it would, the company would have grown a lot faster and, and all that. But, you know, I, I did, did, I did, I just kind of 
waded through the swamp on my own and with assistance from you know good advisors and, until I figured it out. <laughs> right. I love it. That like you know, 95% of us do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult for people to understand entrepreneurialism, right? Because I have friends from way back when that make comments, oh, you know, it must be nice to be you and have your life. You got really lucky. And well, no, it's really been a massive roller coaster, you know, but but it's not like when things are down or I'm having issues, I put that all over, all over social media, you know, so people see photos of me all over the world and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, it's a highlight reel. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I had this conversation once with my brother and he goes, oh, all business people are, you know, cheap and, uh, you know, stealing your money, blah, blah, blah. And I went, you didn't realize that all of your sisters run their own businesses. <laughs> what does he do? Uh, he's a psychiatric nurse. Union. <laughs> and he deals with crazy people all day long. So he's a little jaded. <laughs> Well, in all fairness, growing up with us, he was surrounded by people all day too. So it was a ton of fun. Don, you've been absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. Any last words for our peeps? Uh, you know, I'll just say anyone who finds this conversation interesting, reach out. Um, let's chat because I may have resources that are valuable to you, you know, through my client network whether or not you want to open an account with us or whatever. Well, I love networking people together. So like I said, one of the things I like most about my business is having such a wide, vast array of different of, of clients and people in different industries. So if there's some resource you're looking for, there's a chance I might be able to connect you with that and then everyone's happy. And so, so you know, if you enjoyed this interview, reach out and let's talk. Awesome, I love it. Thanks, Don, for your time. I appreciate it. I know how Thanks. valuable it is. Great, awesome. thank you, Michelle. Peeps, this is Michelle Nadelak. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping you grow. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.